Joining us now in our uh, KYMN studios, Northfield City Administrator Ben Marty. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Um, boy, you're closing the bridge, Ben. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Uh... Yeah, Rich had uh, the news today that uh, uh, there's going to be some repairs, some updates, some maintenance on uh, Fifth Street Bridge today. Uh, soon. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think uh, living in Minnesota, we all know the importance of taking care of bridges um, in the state. Thinking of one of the worst known in uh, United States history of the collapse of the I-35 bridge. I'm not saying we're anywhere near collapse of our bridge on Fifth Street. Well, that's good. But it's very important that we continue to take care of uh, the bridge. So they'll be doing expansion joint work, repairing concrete panels, other other repairs that we've been identified in the past. And so this is pretty typical uh, for a 1963 bridge. We did something similar back in the mid-1980s. Um, and uh, so if there's going to be some inconvenience happening here this uh, spring and early summer. So starting on April 18th through June, to be determined when in June, we'll be having a detour. Uh, won't be able to use that uh, bridge during that time period. Uh, be posted on Highway 3. Uh, finding alternative sites like uh, Woodley Street and Water Street will be the main detouring through the work area. Um, certainly we're working with uh, public safety, Northfield Area Fire and Rescue will be maintained to the public throughout the duration of the project. So even though it's in that location there, they've got contingency plans that they're going to do related to being able to still respond to whatever kind of emergencies they might have. But certainly again, starting on April 18th, we'll probably want to continue to push that out because, um, we know this will have an impact on motorists and our uh, kind of the one of our main uh, gateways into our downtown. Do you know is will there be any uh, design changes? You mentioned the uh, the cement work on the uh, deck, um, you know, like the sidewalks or anything like that. Will anything be any different than it is now? Yeah, not for this project specifically. Okay. So that would we'd have to look at something different in the future. This is just simply a maintenance project. All right. Uh, also, last night at the uh, Northfield City Council uh, work session last night, uh, the Park and Rec Capital Investment Plan. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we have uh, kind of a kicking off here a major uh, initiative related to our strategic plan about having quality facilities in our community, taking care of, again, kind of like bridges. We need to also take care of our parks and, and maintenance and look to see how we keep up with uh, the needs of the community and changing interests of the community related to serving parks and recreation needs. So to assist us with that, we brought in a consulting team to help. And last night's uh, meeting was kind of a kickoff to just some benchmarks, uh, national benchmarks, and then some local benchmarking on comparable cities to gather information on their park and rec system to see um, how we kind of stack up related to uh, some of the other communities uh, as well related to our our parks and recreation needs uh, uh, going forward. How how do we stack up? Have you got the, those results in? Yeah, so when we kind of take a look at some of the um, comparable benchmarks, uh, you know, across the nation, uh, a couple of the areas that we, you know, primarily fo focusing on the types of facilities and the number of them, not really peeling the onion into maintenance. I think that's that's one question. I think is is what's the level of quality? So as an example, um, we have more outdoor skating rinks and non-rental park and rec shelters compared to the norm. Um, but the there are a number of things that other benchmark cities has that have that we, we don't have at all. Bike park, uh, pump tracks, kind of so, so biking type of activities, uh, spray splash pad features, which we've had a presentation on that recently with some interest to add a splash pad. That's certainly something. And then things like, you know, theater or band shell um, would be one thing. 
Um, interesting too, when you look at kind of some of the outdoor type of facilities, we have uh, second lowest number of pickleball courts related to some of our um, facilities, which in a community that has quite a few seniors, um, it's kind of interesting that we're a little, we're quite a bit far behind uh, the norm as it relates to the pickleball craze across the nation. Um, <laughs> Who would have guessed? Yeah, Man, we're I mean, you know, time. started down south and really gained popularity. The Twin Cities was a little to follow, but yeah, I mean, people, people have known we're upgrading the ones um, down uh, near Riverside Lions Park area. And people are even using it, as we've talked about in the past, using it in the wintertime. They're shoveling it off and playing pickleball outdoors <laughs> there in the middle of winter, which I think is great, but probably also says um, we have so, some more needs. I would say, too, one of the things when they looked across the board, when you look at kind of indoor recreation facilities, that's certainly one area where... Northfield really doesn't have too much of that. That's at least city kind of operated. Um, certainly the schools, that's, that's always kind of a technical thing looking at, well, okay, well, how much does a school provide versus the community? But that's certainly one where, you know, we have the 50 North kind of senior center facility, which the city funds half of the recreation uh, costs of that operation uh, to help that. Uh, we have an ice rink, um, which has got a lot of condition issues with the building. Uh, but those are our primary ones we really have from an indoor facility standpoint that the that the city has. Um, baseball fields and, and basketball were pretty much in line. Um, we're under on the dog park, a uh, number of uh, dog park facilities, uh, as well as our outdoor swimming pool, uh, comparatively, is uh, lower than kind of that national standard with it. Um, some of the areas that kind of trending um, where we know there's kind of a, a growing interest in areas would be um, themed special events, team sports, social recreation events, fitness enhancement classes, health and wellness and education. So I kind of throw that kind of into group social recreation type of activities as kind of a national trend. And uh, one of the other things that that, uh, that that was called out last night when there was kind of a question posed about trends and what might be happening, kind of a bigger picture, I think one of the things they talked about specifically was... Um, trying to be multi-generational too in investments and really maximizing the facilities you have so that you're using them to their full potential. So it might be different types of the day, might have different types of users. If you build athletic facility, like if you build an indoor facility or something, make it really multi-use. I mean, I think of like the dome, you know, it's privately owned kind of down in Dundas. Um, they're being creative to try and squeeze every kind of activity they can out of that. And so that's probably an example on the private side on how to do that. So that's it, it makes sense, I guess, but you, you got, that takes really thoughtful planning and engaging your community, which I think was another takeaway I had was even though there are these benchmarkings, it ultimately is, brings it local. You know, what are your, what, what are your local community needs and interests? And, um, and, and then you probably alter what, what you do for your community based on that, but at least kind of looking at outward to other communities at least gives you a sense of where you might stack in before you kind of look more closely. Now, I'm sure this provides great information <clears throat> for staff and uh, council and also the uh, uh, the park board. Are they the next ones to kind of take the ball and get rolling along with this? Yeah, so this was kind of just an initial benchmarking of kind of where they're at. They'll probably be de digging into this a little bit more. Um, there were some interesting maps that were in there, so we saw some like take took a look at like where the facilities are, also maybe where where there are maybe differences related to race or income type of things. And um, like one of the areas that stood out too is we're much heavier on particularly athletic facilities, but even parks in general, pretty heavy on the south side of the community, south and east, which is probably where some of the larger growth areas. We also have our schools down there, so. 
Um, so probably also an identification about the north side of town, especially kind of on the uh, northwest side of town, too, with Highway 3 that for more younger children, even though we've done safety enhancements for crossing of the highway, you know, does improving safe access across the highway also provide greater accessibility across the community by just making it easier where you can in the summertime send your younger kids across Cross town to be able to maybe get to these facilities, whereas right now, even though we've done enhancements, probably at certain ages, parents are probably still uncomfortable sending their kids off to the pool if you live off in that northwest part of town. But kind of going forward uh, to your question, Jeff, um, we are going to be now moving into a phase of kind of drafting up an investment plan. And then in May, uh, the Parks Board will be taking kind of a deeper dive into that and then coming back to the council in June. So, um, And then after that kind of initial draft is completed, then we'll be doing some engagement from the community to find out what do they think of these findings. And when I talked earlier about really hearing from your community and knowing needs, that will be an important phase as well. So this is this is a really big undertaking. I think we also know there are challenges. Another thing that, from since I deal with finance a lot, another thing that jumped out to me was, they kind of have this national, again, it's a benchmark standard of investment, capital investment in facilities based on our population and size of community and things. They're saying we should be about 600,000 is probably more typical per year on kind of just capital maintenance and costs that are going on. We're about 100,000 a year right now. And so one of my questions too was, is again, that quality of facilities, because anecdotally I look and I think we do have some deferred maintenance issues even across the facilities we do have. And how do we, how do we, get dollars to even take care of kind of what we've got first before even maybe looking at new improvements as well, I think is important to look at. But um, I think this is really important. Quality of life and parks and recreations is so important to a community. Um, vitality um, to attract people, people to live here, people to work here. I think park systems are a really important asset uh, for communities to, to make sure they're really kind of got a good pulse on. City Administrator Ben Martig is our guest right now. Uh, the uh, findings of that uh, survey that you had mentioned, those were in the packet last night? Uh, yeah, they were. Okay. And um, We'll see if we can post those on our website so people can get an idea of how we stack up. That'd be awesome, Jeff. In fact, I, I'm not 100% sure whether we've got a project page yet completed, so if you can help us out with that for your listeners, we'd love to have you share that. <laughs> we'd be more than happy to. <laughs> I'm volunteering rich for that duty. <laughs> Sounds good. Um Let's move on. You also talked about the Land Development Code. Uh, provisions related to city buildings and facilities, uh, including initial potential amendments for clarification. We Sounds are, clear as are, mud, are, right? <laughs> are we clarifying the amendments now? No, what uh, the Land Development Code. Uh, talk about what uh, what portion of that you talked about last night. Yeah, so this is probably a continuation. We're talking about parks, um, as as we've talked about, and hopefully everybody knows we're We've been exploring potential enhancements to the Bridge Square downtown as well as a Riverside Park adjacent to uh, kind of the Bridge Square, looking to see if there are enhancements that can be done there to activate the river, really seeing that as an asset as well as our downtown. Through that process, too, there were kind of questions that came up because the, the entire kind of historic part of downtown is in the National Register of Historic Places. And the and Bridge Square Park is actually um, a site that is designated as a historically significant site on that uh, register as well, which means there's some additional regulations that kind of apply to that. So the state um, state historical society is reviewing it right now, and so they would have some input to um, kind of the plans. One of the things in our code that wasn't completely clear the way that it's written is as it relates to public projects. 
for buildings and private buildings, uh, very clearly written in the code is um, if building owners are in the historic district or have a historic building, they have to go through what's called the Certificate of Appropriateness through our Heritage Preservation Commission. And then they follow kind of federal and state guidelines as well as our local um, identifications to give guidance and recommendations to what needs to be done to the to maintain the historical integrity of a building. So you can't, as an example, fill in your windows on a historical building and make the windows smaller. And for energy efficiency, you need to maintain that look of the windows. So that's just one little example. But on public projects, it's more unclear in the way that it re reads and been as interpreted is, is that the city's actually exempt from these public-related properties, but they still would be needing to go through a, a review process and input process from our heritage preservation. Um, there's some interpretation that maybe it still would require a certificate of appropriateness, would ba which basically the difference is, is that the heritage preservation is the ultimate authority decider. Um, on projects if it's an appropriateness and if it's not then they're just advisory to the council so we're working on some amendment options that would provide a, the, different ways to do it just make the hpc the decider and reviewer or do we make them more of a review and recommend to the council and just make it more clear in the code those are the two primary options that we're looking at um, clarifying in the code just so going forward, we all kind of know how it is. There are some other, there's one other thing we're taking a look at is it potentially an appeals change where right now the planning commission is the appeal board. We're entertaining the idea of possibly the council being the appeal board. Um, we'll be having some more discussions about that, but there's there's probably been, one of the longtime members has identified one project that there was an appeal on that they were aware of. And I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank now on what project it was, um, but it was quite a long time ago mm -hmm. in history, but, um, there certainly hasn't been anything recently, but there could be. I mean, there's big decisions like on the Archer House where there was, you know, it was a close vote on authorizing the demolition of that building. And so there could be more major decisions to be made, too. So that's a that's another piece that's being looked at. So that'll go to the Heritage Preservation this week. Planning Commission will have a chance to take a look at it. Then we'll be coming back to the council for some direction on where they want to go with some clarifications in our code. All right. Uh, ben, is there anything else uh, from last night or anything going on within the city that you'd like to bring up? Yeah, just quickly, uh, last one on the agenda was our emer annual emergency operations plan update to the council. One difference is we actually have been doing a major update to the plan itself. And so um, uh, P.T. Hader, our um, deputy police chief, has been kind of taking a lead. Mark Elliott's been working on that as well. And so... Um, we're going to be bringing back an adoption of the plan, and then it will be actually annually adopted thereafter and reviewed. So we've been doing an annual kind of training. Um, this is, uh, uh, you know, Severe Weather Awareness Month, and so the timing yesterday with our <laughs> un very unusual hail that we got that lasted so long was kind of um, appropriate timing, I guess, for a council update on the emergency operations plan. And um, I was saying something to Tim Isom ahead of time who helps with kind of some of our emergency management, river monitoring, uh, weather monitoring thing that um, he jinxed us with that weather with the emergency plan being on there last night. So he's to blame for the <laughs> hail that we had coming in. But that was something else yesterday. I had a pile of hay hail that had kind of come off of my roof and gathered at the front of my at my deck so that was kind of interesting to shovel off my um a pile of hail that i had to shovel off in front of my steps leading into my house last night when i got home from the council meeting yeah i live on the west side and uh went home for lunch at one o'clock and uh, my garage door wouldn't open like what is do i need batteries in this uh but it turns out we had a power outage so i left my 
I didn't open up the garage, just left it in the driveway. And then came the hail. <laughs> so I uh, got through, I think, with, with no damage. But it was a crunchy ride back to the uh, radio station <laughs> yesterday on, all, on top of all the hail that was on the roads. Yeah, fortunate you're not a commuter that you're right here in town <laughs> and you have to get out there that. on the highways. So yeah, right. that looked pretty uh, dangerous out there for some of the stuff we saw on the television. Yes, it did. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Much appreciated. And we will see you again uh, next week or in a couple of weeks, sometime soon, I'm sure. Sounds great. Thanks, Jeff. Ben Martin, Northfield City Administrator. 95.1 FM and AM 1080 KYMN Northfield. We are the one. Rich is coming up with local news in uh, just a couple of minutes. MNN is next.